and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. We have been studying the life of David, and, and I think we'll finish it out here this evening. And we are going to be looking at what happens with David and Absalom, his son. We began this last week looking at his son Absalom and how the different circumstances that that ended up putting some division between David and Absalom. And although he loved his son very greatly, because of Absalom's actions, Absalom was no longer in David's good graces. And he ends up, for a period of altogether five years, where he does not see David. He spends three years away in another place, and then two years in Jerusalem, but not having access to his father. And finally, finally, he, he goes through an intermediary and, and gets David to agree to see him and to accept him back and to, to welcome him back. And to restore him has his, his son with all of the rights and privileges that that entails. And... Absalom should have been happy with that. But we find out that Absalom has more than in his mind. He has another agenda going on. And we're going to pick this up in 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 13, and this is right after... Absalom has been um, accepted back to the king. What did I say, 30? 13. 13. Okay, I said it right. I'm just looking in the wrong place. Second Samuel 13. And in verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, no, that's not right, 15, that's where I want, we did that, Absalom chapter 15. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. So 
you'll see that Absalom is cooking up a scheme here. He's got a whole nother plan going. And, you know, Absalom was quite the politician. You'll see this. He'd make a good politician today, but he was quite the politician back there. And he is maneuvering and jockeying for a position of power. That is what he is up to. So what he does, now that he's, now that he's you know, okay with the king, no sooner does that happen than he launches this, this plan where every day he sends out horses and chariots before him and 50 men to go before him. This whole huge, huge entourage. And this whole big display of power and that, boy, look at me. Aren't I something? He has this big procession that goes before him. And this procession goes before him to the gate. And there at the gate are people that have come because they're looking for the king to sit in judgment of some matter. They've got, you know, a problem with their neighbor. They've got some grievance against this person or somebody has done this wrong to them. And they go to the king, and there's this huge long line of people that are waiting to see him. Hmm. And Absalom comes along and he says, boy, you know, it's, it's what you're here for is a right thing. You're looking for some justice. It's just a shame that there's nobody that's been made a deputy that can sit in judgment. I sure wish I could help you. Boy, if I, was, if I was given the authority, I could help you figure this stuff out. I could solve this for you. I could get you some justice. And that's what he's telling the people. Hmm. And the people, they're only too happy to have somebody do this stuff. And why? everybody knows this is the king's son. This isn't just any schmuck that's coming along and saying, you know, well, I'll do this for you. This is somebody that they know has some authority. Somebody that has some power. So they're only too happy to tell him their troubles and have him do it for them. Verse 5. And it was so that when any man came nigh to, to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. Whenever anybody comes and shows respect, oh, there's Absalom, he's shaking hands, he's hugging them, he's kissing them. He's just the nicest guy. Here he is knocking on all the doors and shaking everybody's hand like any politician would do. There he is getting the favor of all the people. That's what he's up to. He's gaining favor amongst the people. You know, they already think he's a great guy. They already think that, boy, Absalom, you remember them saying there was, he was just the most beautiful-looking man? There wasn't a single blemish on him from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. And everybody liked him. No matter what he did, everybody liked him. And now he's doing something to help them. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. What did he do? Stole, stole their hearts. Stole their hearts. He stole their hearts, and he's interested in stealing them. He's interested in stealing the subjects of the king. He's interested in getting his own following. 
And so he does all this so he can get people to support him, so he can steal their hearts. Verse 7. And it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. That's where he had been. <clears throat> and he says, I made a, a vow to, to God, and I need to go to Hebron to pay that vow. For thy servant vowed a vow when I abode in, at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. Boy, this just sounds so nice, so, so wonderful, so pious. He says to David, you know, I'm just so thankful to be back, and I, had, I prayed when I was gone, and I vowed to God that if I could come back here, that I would do something to worship him, to serve him, and now I just want to go there to do this wonderful right thing because I'm so thankful Father, you know, David, that you let me back in your good graces here. And the king said unto him, verse 9, go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. So there he goes with David's blessing, with David's blessing to Hebron under the pretense that he's going to pay a vow to God. But as soon as he heads out the door, he tells his men, his followers, you guys go out into all of Israel. And as soon as you see me head out, you blow a trumpet, you, ha you herald the news. That's how they would herald the news. You know, they'd actually have a, somebody blow a trumpet and they would preach, herald the news. And the, the big herald would be that Absalom is now reigning in Hebron. Absalom is now taken over. David's old. He was a good king when he was around. He was good while he lasted. But he's old now and you're probably concerned what's going to happen. Well, I'm taking over. I'm taking over. So you just tell everybody that that's what's going on. I'm reigning in Hebron. Verse 11. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called. And they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. <laughs> These guys are just blindly following Absalom. They don't know that this is a wrong thing. They don't know that this is something that's not good, not right. They're just simply following Absalom. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. He's got a, a very big conspiracy against David going, and it's gaining momentum. It's gaining momentum. More and more people are following him. More and more people are coming to Absalom. And you know, at some point, people, they just don't want to be on the wrong side of this. They might see that this is headed for a showdown, but they don't want to be on the wrong side of this. And the more they see people following Absalom, 
the more they think, well, that's where the, the safe money is. We'll follow him. We'll go out and we'll be his followers because if this does come to a showdown, you know, Absalom, he's the young, strong buck. He's the one that we'll bet on. Verse 13. And there came a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. Word finally gets back to the king saying, The people's hearts have turned to Absalom. They've turned away from you, and now they're following him. And David, verse 14, said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Wow. So here's David right back to square one. Here's David having to flee Jerusalem, having to run for his life and literally head for the hills once again. Once again, he started off his adult life running from Saul, and now he's running from his own son, Absalom. There he is right back there, hiding in caves again, but again trusting God. Again, trusting God to take care of him. Verse 15. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, the servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth and all his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. Everybody from the household goes with him except ten women, ten of his concubines. They stay there to keep house, to keep things, you know, from going to waste. And the king went forth, and all the people after him, and tarried in a place that was far off. And all his servants passed on beside him, and all the Cherephites and the Pelethites and the, all the Gittites, 600 men which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. Then said the king to it, Ittai, the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. You know, this isn't your fight, he's saying to this guy. You should go back and, and stay with the new king, Absalom, because you're a stranger. This isn't anything that you have to get involved in. Verse 20. Wherefore thou camest but yesterday... Should I this day make thee go up and down with us? Seeing I go whither I may, return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. Look at David. Even at a time like this, the love that David has. There he is running for his life. There he is being betrayed by his own son. And he's still looking at, after the welfare of the other people around him. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my lord the king liveth, surely in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. Quite a man, huh? Not all the people of Jerusalem were saying that, but here's this stranger, this foreigner that is. And David said to Ittai, Go and pass over. And Ittai the Gittite passed over, and all his men and all the little ones that were with him. Even the kids are coming along. 
And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron, and the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. And, well, we'll skip down here. Let's go to chapter 16. So, in the rest of 15, it just talks about more of the detail of David's escape and David's going out into the wilderness. <clears throat> we'll pick it up in chapter 16 and verse 20. Um, we're leaving out a lot of the details of what happens when David's gone from Absalom's presence. But I wanted to come to this one because it fulfills a prophecy that we read about a long time ago. Verse 20, Then said Absalom to Athapel, Give counsel among you what ye shall do. And Athapel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house. And all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. He says, he's looking to this counselor of David's for advice, and this counselor tells him, go take David's concubines. Go take them, have sex with them. And then everybody will hear that there's definitely an, a war going on between you two and they'll follow you. Verse 22, So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Do you remember when the prophet Nathan came to David and he told him that, yes, he was forgiven, but there were going to be things that were going to happen as a result of this? And one of the things he told him was that out of your own house, some will rise up and they will take your wives and they will lay with them and they will do it openly in the sight of everybody. You did this thing in secret, but they're going to do it right where everybody can see them. And that's the fulfillment of that. And the council of Ahithophel which he counseled in those days was if a man had inquired at the oracle of God, so was all the counsel of Ithaphel, both with David and with Absalom. In other words, everybody took anything that this guy, Ahithophel, said as though it was straight out of the mouth of God. First David had taken it that way, and now Absalom takes it that way. Well, jump over to chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 1. And David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. So we've got a couple of armies here. We've got David with a big army now, and we've got Absalom with a big army. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab, and a third part of the, under the hand of Abishai, the son of Jeruah, Zeruah. Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai the Gittite. That was the fellow that had followed him. So he ends up being one of the top generals over a third of the army. 
And the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. So we're going to go out and do battle. And I got three generals here, but I'm not going to just sit back in, in my comfort. I'm going to go with you. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth. For if we flee away, they will not care for us, neither if half of us die will they care for us. But now thou art worth 10,000 of us. Therefore now it is better that thou succor us out of the city. You know, it's better for you to strengthen us out of, out of the city here because if you go one way, <laughs> they're all just going to go after you. And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best I will do. And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Atai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. Again, look at the heart of David. Absalom has betrayed him. Absalom has plotted against him. Absalom, who had killed his own brother, and who, when he finally he gets back in, in David's good graces, betrays him and tries to mutiny against him and has done nothing deserving of anything but, you know, swift justice from David. But David tells his men, his soldiers, his generals, deal gently with him. If you get him, you know, take him alive. Don't hurt him. Bring him back to me. I know he's done something wrong here, but he's my son, and I just, I, I, I don't want you to hurt him. Verse 6. So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood, the woods of Ephraim where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. Quite a battle. 20,000 men that day die in that battle. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. More people died just by the perils of that battlefield, of being in those woods, you know, whether, whether it was running into trees on horseback, whether it was falling into something, I don't know what all happened to them, but more people died by just the, the difficult situation, the danger of that battlefield than actually by the war. And Absalom met the servants of David. And Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak. And his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. So do you picture that? There he is riding on a mule, and he's riding fast. And there's a low-hanging limb, probably one of those like forked things, and the mule goes, and he's not watching. Maybe he's looking over his shoulder, but his head gets caught in this. And the mule keeps going, and there he is hanging by his head in this oak tree. And he's stuck. 
he's stuck and can't get down. And there he is just hanging midair in this oak tree. Verse 10. And a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have, given, would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. I would have given you all kinds of presents here. Why didn't you kill him? You had a perfect chance. Why didn't you kill him? And the man said unto Joab, verse 12, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life, for there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself would have set thyself against me. <laughs> He knows Joab and the way Joab plays. Because Joab wants him to kill him, but Joab knew the commandment of the king. And Joab would have turned around and killed the guy that killed Absalom and gone back to David and said, yeah, I, I know you didn't want him killed, but that guy killed him, but that's okay. I, I took care of him. I killed him. But Joab doesn't care what the king wants. Joab wants Absalom dead because he is a threat to the kingdom. And Joab is David's guy. He's on his side, and he's going to stick with him. So he wants Absalom dead, and it, he doesn't care what else that's going to happen. Then said Joab, verse 14, I may, I may not tarry thus with thee. I'm not waiting. And he took three darts or arrows in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. He kills him. He shoots him with three arrows right through the heart. And ten young men, men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. Just in case the arrows through his heart, three arrows through his heart didn't do it, all these guys around him they, they start hacking at him. Ten guys. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel, for Joab held back the people. Because Joab doesn't want all the rest of Israel getting killed. He wants them to be safe. Now that Absalom's gone, he knows they'll return to David. And they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid great heaps of stones upon him. And all Israel fled everyone to his tent. Go down to verse 24. And David sat between the two gates. And the watchman went up to the roof of the gate upon the hill and lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king. And the king said, if he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. He's a, he's a messenger. And he came apace and drew near. And the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called unto the porter, saying, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also brings news. And the watchman said, Methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of this one fella. And the king said, He's a good man, and cometh with good tidings. Well, that guy's going to bring good news. And Ahimez called and said unto the king, All is well. Good news. 
And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men which lifted up their hand against my lord the king. He said, Great news. The battle's over. We've won. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? That's all he cares about is his son. And Ahijah said, when Joab sent the king's servants and me the servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. I, I saw a lot of commotion, but I didn't know what was going on with that. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came. And Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. All them. You know who that includes. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? Is my son okay? And the Cushai said, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against to do thee hurt be as that young man is. They're all dead. They're all dead just like Absalom. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And he went, and as he went, thus he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Wow. You know, <clears throat> but that's the love of a father for his son. That's the love of a father for his son, that no matter what Absalom had done, David rather he was the one who died that day than his son Absalom. Verse 1. And it was told Joab, Behold, the king weepeth in mourning for Absalom. And the victory this day was turned into mourning all the peop for all the people that heard this say how the king was grieved for thy son. And <clears throat> we don't have time to read all of it, but Joab goes to David and says, You know, this isn't right. People risked their lives for you. People fought your fight. They fought your battle. And here, instead of being thankful that we've won, you're just mourning your son. And it's kind of wrong for these guys. So David, he goes and he accepts the people and, and thanks them and celebrates the victory. But that's the heart of David, a man after God's own heart. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind. 